two characters so far. We talked about this guy named Abraham, Father Abraham. We said that you and I, when we think about how to live as a Christian in this world, we want to be people who trust in God like Abraham did. And then the week after, we heard from Nathan where he had that dumbbell. You remember how he had that dumbbell? It's the first time he's picked one of those up. Um, he had it. it no, I'm just kidding. Dude, he's stronger than me. Don't, don't get me started. Um, he, no, I'm not going to prove it. No, I'm not going to prove it. Um, and we, we listened to that sermon about how Joseph was a guy in the Old Testament who followed God and he endured, right? He was put through stuff that he never should have been put through in his life. The next person we're going to talk about today is a guy named Moses. But just remember where we are in the history of Israel. So we're back in the book of Genesis, okay? Joseph has just led his people into Egypt. And that was a good thing. If you remember, it was to save the people from this famine that was going on. There was not enough food, so they brought all these people into the land of Egypt, and they're living there, and they're thriving. They've got this great piece of land. They're thriving. They're multiplying. And when they go into the land of Egypt, there's about 70 people in this family. So including all the brothers, sisters, cousins, 70 people. And by the time that we're talking about today, there's a million people that are Israelites. So it was 400 years of time. If you think back 400 years, right? Today, it is 2020. 400 years ago is 1620. If you know anything about the year 1620, that was the year when the pilgrims hit Plymouth Rock, and that was like the first like Americans, right? I know it wasn't really America back then, but that was like the first Americans. Think about that. That was 400 years. How much history has taken place in the last 400 years, right? How many Americans have been born, right? A ton. And in this time period, you had about a million people. But the problem was when they grew, right? And a lot of you know this story. When they grew and they got strong, the Egyptians were a little bit afraid. They got afraid because they thought, man, there's so many people in this nation. What are we going to do? So what they did, as you see in the screen, is they turned them into slaves, so after a couple hundred years of them living in peace, they take these Israelites and make them slaves. And it was a bad time for hundreds of years. We come across this story in Exodus chapter 2 of a little boy who's born. And the sad part about this time for these Israelites is they were trying to grow, they're trying to multiply, live in peace, but then they were slaves. The problem was these Egyptians took these Hebrew boys and they killed all of the babies that were being born. Right, which is a sad, horrible thing. They were killing all the baby boys. And in order to save their baby's life, this set of parents, they send this baby off like this in a basket. Later on, this, this baby grows up, and this baby's name is Moses, which means drawn out of water. And it's this Moses baby who grows up, and he's actually adopted by the princess, the daughter of the pharaoh, uh, the king of Egypt. And he grows up, in luxury, he, I guess, knows how to put on eyeliner, right? I don't know what's going on there, right? Those Egyptians, I don't know what's with their makeup, right? But he grows up, and he grows up in power, and he's a special, powerful person in the empire. He's raised as a royal. But after a while, he started realizing that his real people were not the Egyptians, they were actually the Israelites. He found out, we're not exactly sure how this all came about, but we know that he knew he was an Israelite. And when he saw the injustice and all the bad things that were happening to the Israelites, he took action. And he did something crazy that changed the rest of his life. He saw a poor, helpless Hebrew getting beat up. And to defend him, he actually ended up beating up the guy who was beating up, him up, and he ended up dying. 
And because of that, he had to run away. He had to flee, and that's exactly what Moses did. And when he fled, he went to this other land, this other country called Midian. And if you know the, the, the Prince of Egypt, you ever watch that? Ever watch that movie, right? There's Moses over there from the Prince of Egypt. He meets this girl at a well, and it seems like, oh, they're going to fall in love. And that's exactly what happens. It's this girl named Zipporah, and she's got this dad named Jethro. And he's a good guy, he's a godly guy, and he serves the Lord. And they get married, and they live happily ever after, right? Well, that's two chapters of the book of Exodus. He's a 40-year-old man when he gets married, so... Um, Bummer, right? He got married late. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but he did. He gets married at about 40 years old. And they live happily ever after for about 40 years. Until something happens. Until Moses, he's a shepherd. He's been living for a long time. He has sons who are born. At this point, he might even be a grandpa. We're not sure. He's an old man, 80 years old. He goes and he's a shepherd. And he sees this bush. And the bush is burning but it's not being consumed. Imagine this thing being on fire, but it's not getting eaten up. It was weird. And out of that bush came the voice from a person that Moses had never heard before. And the voice of a person that Moses, we're not even sure if he knew existed. Maybe he heard stories about him, but he didn't know him. He heard the voice of God. God audibly, which means he actually, with a voice, spoke to Moses. And he said some things to Moses. He says, I am the Lord. He gave his real name, right, which we find out for the rest of the Bible is the name Yahweh, which is this, this translation of the thing that says, I am who I am. Moses asks, hey, what's your name? He says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says, well, what should I call you? What should I tell the people? You want me to lead these people, the Israelites, out of slavery? What should I call you? And God says, call me I am, which just means he's always existed. He is. God is, which is his name Yahweh that we hear for the rest of the Bible. God tells Moses, go back to the land of Egypt and lead my people out. The thing we learn about Moses is a little bit different than Abraham, a little bit different than Joseph. The thing we learn about Moses is he is a follower of God. Okay? He's a follower of God, and that's important because that shapes his whole life. He's not somebody who does whatever he wants to do. He's not a person who follows his own feelings. He's not a person who does whatever the world wants him to do. Moses is a guy who followed God, and oftentimes he had to stand alone to do it. But it started right here at this burning bush. And I want you to write this down for point number one. Here's what happened with Moses. Following like Moses, how are we going to follow him? Well, we need to follow God and do what Moses did, leave everything else behind. Right? Follow God and leave everything else behind. And I know I'm saying that in a metaphorical way, right? How do you actually follow God? Well, it's not by walking somewhere. It's not by um, following the green line. You guys ever seen that, um, that commercial where there's that green line? It's like an insurance commercial, right? Where, where they like follow this green line and it takes them all the way to retirement, right? No. You guys don't watch commercials. You guys watch ads, right? Back when I was little, they were called commercials, right? Now they're called ads that you pay $15.99 a month to get rid of off your YouTube, right? Um, there was this old commercial that literally had this line where you just followed the green light and it led you to like retirement, whatever that means. Um, I know what retirement is, I'm not saying that, but I just mean like whatever. Anyway, you don't follow a literal line. So what does it mean to follow God? Well, Moses followed God by listening to what God said and by doing it, okay? Hebrews 11 talks about what he did. Hebrews chapter 11, it'd be great if you took those Bibles and actually turned to Hebrews chapter 11. I know it's the first place I'm turning, but Hebrews chapter 11, I want you to see this in your Bibles. Hebrews 11, we're gonna look at Three verses here, verse 24, 25, and 26. It talks all about how Moses followed God, and it shows what he had to leave behind. Like I said earlier, Moses grew up with all the money, all the power, 
all the fame, all the importance a person could ever want. He had all that. But there was a day when Moses chose to change all that, which if you're thinking about in money terms or investment terms, he made a bad investment in the world's eyes. He gave all of it up. He threw it all away one day with one action by taking the side of an Israelite instead of the side of an Egyptian like he was expected to. Check it out. This is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. I want you to check out your Bibles and see it. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the screen too. It says this, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, for a long time, he was called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was this person who was important, but at some point when he grew up, he refused to be called that. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses had everything. Everything. Right, if you think, when you look at the world, and you look at your TikTok, and you look at your Instagram, you look at what the world has, right, and all the popularity, and the fame, and the good looks, you, okay, you want to talk about any of that. Moses had everything. Moses is important. Moses is liked. Moses is respected. Moses is rich. Moses knows all the good things of the earth. Then he gives them up. Why? Well, because he considered, verse 26, the reproach of Christ, right, which Christ is not... Christ back then, the same way he is in the New Testament, right? He's always existing, but this is a way, kind of looking back, he's a part of God's people. He identifies as God's people, and he considered the reproach of Christ in this weird way back before Jesus was born on this earth, but while Christ still existed, right? Because we actually think the person who talking to him in the burning bush is probably Jesus Christ himself. It says, he considered the reproach of Christ, following God, greater wealth than all of the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Think about it. What would it take to get you to give up all the stuff that you had, all the popularity, all your friends, everything? What would it take for you to give that up? You have to be convinced in your mind. You have to be absolutely convinced that following this God who you've never met is better. But that's exactly what he does. Check this out. Luke, Luke chapter 9. I have it up on the screen. You don't have to turn there. This is what Jesus says to us today. This is what Jesus says to Christians. He says, if anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to follow me, here's what they need to do. They need to deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Moses could have saved his life. You know how he could have saved his life? Never killing an Egyptian. Never rebelling against where he was. Looking at the, the bad condition that his Israelites were in and just saying, oh, well, that's their problem, not my problem. He could have done that. Because whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. It doesn't mean that unless you die for being a Christian, you're not going to heaven. That's not what it's saying. But what it is saying is, when you become a Christian, you make a choice where you basically say, my life is now about God. It's about following Jesus. That's what my whole life is about. And if that's true, then that means the whole direction of my life, the choices I make, the words I say, the friends I have, the things I do, the places I go, Guess what it's all going to be about? Guess the, what's the filter I'm going to all put it through? Following what God wants me to do. That was a decision Moses made, and verse 25 is important. It says, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Right? Moses had the world, but what did he do? He gave it up right? in a way that you and I actually can't. You're not as important, not as popular, not as rich as Moses was. I'm not either. Right? So what we have to give up is a small thing in comparison to what Moses did. Moses gave it up. I want you to 
you go back in your mind to the story, we're at the burning bush, right? God calls Moses. He says, go back to Egypt. Go to your, your half-brother, right, the Pharaoh, and go tell him, you know, all those slaves, that, those million slaves you have, they're leaving. God wants them gone. Right? He doesn't say, hey, uh, can you let my people go? As in Moses saying, hey, my people, you know, the people I'm, I'm buddies with, I'm, I'm cousin, let, let my people go. He says, here's what God says. God says, let my people go. Right? Well, what does Pharaoh do? You probably remember, if you've seen the movie or read the story or, or know what's going on with Moses, what does Pharaoh say? He says, Pfft. actually, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but I, I always think it does, right? Pfft. How do you spell that? That's right, right, that's right. Because guess what he's saying that to? He's not just saying that to Moses. He's saying, okay, your God said that. Yeah, yeah, all right, 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 okay. Your God, right, who's been completely silent for 400 years. Yeah, that one, right? That God, he says, okay, well, guess what? I'm a God. I'm important. I'm the Pharaoh. That's what he says. He says, I've got my whole set of gods. You've got your God. Well, that's great. Uh, yeah, no, you're not leaving. Right? He says, Psh. doesn't let him go. What happens next is one of the craziest things that happens in all the Bible. God punishes this entire nation because of their kings, their Pharaoh's sin. Because what this was all about, the 10 plagues, is what we know them as in the Bible. Right? What these 10 plagues were all about were not about just um, how God uses locusts and frogs, right? And, and magic tricks that God does. That's not really what this was about. This was all about God. The reason I say that is because Moses says, the Lord said, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, what is your God compared to all my gods? What's your God compared to all the gods of the world that basically bend their knee to me because I'm the most powerful king? Guess what? If they're serving me, guess who's really the God here? It's me, it's Pharaoh. And God says, I'm going to show you that your gods are no gods at all. Some of, the, some of the miracles that happen, some of the plagues, the first one is turning the water of the Nile River into blood. Okay? You know that there were three Egyptian gods that were responsible for the, the flow of the Nile River? Okay? So three of their gods that they worshipped were responsible for making sure the Nile River was always flowing, in season overflowing, out of season coming back to its normal place. And guess what God says? Your gods have no power. I'm going to make the, the Nile just do whatever I want. They had a frog god. Okay? Did you know that? The Egyptians had a frog god. His name was Hect. H-E-Q-T. Right? I mean, it wasn't in English, so like, that's just the way we say it. Hect. Right? The frog god who's supposed to keep the frogs in the Nile River, okay? Guess what God does? Hey, frogs, come on up, right? Come on up, frogs, right? And then what do the people think? Where's our, where's our God to protect them? What's going on? Why are there all these frogs? The, the, the frog God is supposed to keep them in the river. What's going on? Guess what God's proving? I'm God, and they're not. You might know Horus, or Ray or Ra, the god of the sun, okay? The Egyptian god of the sun. What does God do? I think it's the eighth plague. What does he do? Or the ninth, maybe. I forget. Right? Takes the whole land of Egypt, and guess what he does? Turns the lights out. Think about it. What is God doing? He's showing, nope, 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 nope. When people think, oh, well, well, the Lord might have defeated that God, but not the next God. Guess what God does? Say, nope, right? Nope, nope, nope. It's like that TikTok says, yep, nope. It's just like, nope, 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 right? He's just knocking them all out, right? All the Egyptian gods saying they're no gods at all. That's what the plagues are about. Why? Because Moses says, here's what the Lord says, let my people go. Pharaoh said no. Eventually, 
The 10th plague, which led to all this, them walking out the exodus of Egypt, God ended up killing all of the firstborn sons. All the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt. Think about how many people, right? How many, raise your hand if you're a firstborn. Raise your hand if you were the firstborn, right? Imagine if tonight you went home, you went to sleep, and in the morning your, your family found you dead. All of you firstborns, right? Colin thinks it's funny. Um, imagine that. Seriously, that'd be crazy. Like, what, 30% of you are firstborns. What would that do to the people when they're protected? Like, they've got God, they had a God of life, a God of breath and life. That was the last God that, that the Lord put to shame. He said, there are no gods at all. I'm the only God. That messed them up. Finally, Pharaoh said, after his firstborn son, the next Pharaoh, after he dies, Pharaoh says, all right, fine, get out of here. I don't, I don't ever want to see you guys again. And you know he ends up changing his mind, but... This scene right here is a really cool scene. It's where God leads the people out, leads them out of the wilderness. And guess who he uses at the front of that line? Moses. And you might have thought of Moses as a leader, right? He's the people who leads the people out. Well, guess what? Guess why he was a leader? Because he was a follower. You can't be a good leader unless you're a good follower of God. That's it. And Moses was definitely a good follower of God, one of the best. They get to this this big lake, the Red Sea. They get there and, and the Egyptian army finally says, wait a minute, we just lost all our slaves. Uh, we're gonna get those people back. So they go to get them back and God stops them. And what God does is he opens up this Red Sea and guess whose staff he uses? Guess who walks through it first? Moses. He uses this guy to do this great work of salvation for his people. They walk through the Red Sea and they walk through it on dry land. Right? Imagine what that would look like. Imagine walking through on dry land. That'd be crazy with Moses. 12 steps ahead of you. That's amazing. Moses, when we talk about following God, Moses did something interesting. He did not just say, I'm a Christian. He didn't just put in his bio, Jesus, hearts, right? Um, He didn't have a bio. He didn't have an Instagram, sorry. Um, He did more than just say, I follow God, right? A lot of people can say they follow God. Moses actually took action. That's the second thing I want you to write down. If you want to be like Moses, you want to follow God, follow God and take action. Here's what that means. That means when it's time to do what God wants us to do, when it's time for us to read our Bibles, when it's time for us to obey our parents, when it's time for us to say encouraging words, guess what we do? We actually do it. We actually follow God. Moses followed God, he took action. He obeyed him, he served him. I think one of the reasons he did that, Jesus says something in Luke 12. I want you to imagine being Moses real fast before we go to Luke 12. How freaked out would you be to go to Pharaoh, the king of the world at that point for this this region? And to say, my God says that your gods are lame and that I'm taking my people out. How would you feel? Would you be bold enough to do that? You can't even talk to your crush. You get too afraid. You're just like, oh, well, I'll talk to their friend, right? I'm serious. Like, think about the bold, I'm sorry, but think about how, the, how bold you'd have to be, right? You're like, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm not. No I, no, I talk to my wife. Yeah, thanks. Um, I talk to my crush all the time, uh, but I didn't for a while. I'd like talk to their friends, and I know how it works. Think about the boldness that it took. How afraid 
was Pharaoh? Or how afraid was Moses of Pharaoh? Probably pretty afraid. How afraid was he of all the Israelites? You realize that the Israelites did not like Moses. Because they're like, dude, you were a sellout your entire life. You grew up as the prince of Egypt while we were working as slaves our entire life. You're like, a, you're a lo- and then you killed someone and you ran away. Okay? You're a loser. Right? The Israelites didn't like him. Pharaoh didn't like him. The Egyptians, nobody liked him. Maybe that's me. Right? No. Um, <laughs> nobody liked Moses. He could have been afraid of everyone and anything. But look what Jesus says. Here's what he says that we should fear. He says, don't fear those who can kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. Right? Moses had every right to fear Pharaoh, to fear all these people who could just kill him if they want to, right? Jesus says, but I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he is killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. All right, who's talking right here? Jesus is talking, right? You know, Jesus later on in the book of John says, the book of John says that I'm the judge. It says, God has given all judgment to me. The only people, the only person, rather, that we should fear is God. That's it. You know, when we don't obey God, usually it's because we fear something else more than God. Moses could have gone away and not obeyed God, but it, the reason would have been because he feared his situation, he would have feared the Israelites, he would have feared Pharaoh, right? And sometimes if I say, hey, here's what it means for you to follow God, right? Talk different, live different, maybe have different friends, right? And if we really went down to the reason why some of us don't obey God and some of us don't follow God, you know the reason for most of us is that I'm more afraid of people, I'm more afraid of losing popularity, I'm more afraid of losing friends than I am of doing what God says. And that's why, if we want to follow God, we've got to look to Moses, because he feared God more than anybody else. Back to the story, I think the reason he feared God was because he talked to God. He had a different relationship with God than most people. Right? The Israelites all kind of communicated to God through Moses. But it says, in Hebrews, we're like peck to peck, right? They knew each other, God and Moses knew each other face to face. We sometimes run across that. Literally, it means mouth to mouth which is a weird way of saying it, but if you know someone, that's another way of saying you speak to them mouth to mouth. Right? It's not that you're speaking to them from far away, you're talking to them directly. Right? It's like, I haven't done that in like two months. Um, well, Moses did it with God regularly, and this is a place where he did it. That's Mount Sinai, okay? at least where we think Mount Sinai is. It's this big, impressive mountain. Moses goes up on this mountain. He talks to God. One of the things that God says is he says, I have 10 rules that I want my people to follow. 10 rules. What he does is he gives them the first words that are ever written down. The first commandments of God, right? That's why we think the 10 commandments are so important. One of the reasons is because they're the first ones that God ever gave that were written down. Some of us think, well, Genesis comes before Exodus, right? But the 10 commandments, the chronology of it, that came before even the book of Genesis was written. The book of Genesis was written right after this by Moses. God gives these 10 commands. One of them is you shall not make any carven images. Don't make any images of me. Right? And you might think, well, that's weird. Right? But one of the things that people liked to do back then, and if you remember the Egyptian gods, they had all these carved images, which were not really the god, but they were representations of the god. Right? Most people, when they served idols, they did not believe that the idol was the god. They just believed the idol was a representation of the god. Right, which is why the next thing that happens is they build the people, while Moses is talking to God on the mountain, they build down below this little cow, this golden calf. They build it and they say, this is the Lord. 
who led us up out of Egypt. Right? It's weird, right? Why would they do that? Right? Little cow that they bowed down to. It's because, well, that was a representation in their mind. They said, this is now the representation of the Lord. They weren't saying this is a new God. They're just saying this is the representation of God. Guess what God says? I hate that. I don't like you bowing down and worshiping. Literally, while God was giving the command, they were breaking the command. And when Moses saw it, he got, he got just as mad. He took the tablets in a weird like rage fest, and he just like, took these tablets and just like, chucked them on the ground and broke them. Right? Probably wouldn't want to do that to God's tablets, but Moses does. He's really fired up. He takes this calf, and he, um, he grinds it down into all its little pieces, all these little gold flakes. And he didn't want the people to enjoy their gold and make their earrings again. So he says, I'm going to put it in all the water, and you guys are going to drink it. You guys are going to drink the calf that you made. Because you did something that was so bad. Moses, only one that was not involved in that crime against God. He's following God's commands while the people aren't. One of the other commands that Moses is given at this time is this really detailed, and sometimes when you're reading Exodus, you're like, man, why am I reading about how long this plank is, and then the plank is connected to these other things, and then there's a pomegranate, and it's made of gold and woven work, and you're like, ah, uh, I can't, I just walked into Michael's, like, what's going on, right? Um, you know Michael's? It used to exist. I don't know if it exists anymore. It's the fabric store, right? Yeah. Sometimes you read the book of Exodus, and you're like, am I in a Michaels? Like, is this the right book? What's going on? Right. Well, here's why. Right, Joanne's. There you go. This is the other one. Oh, no free ads. Sorry. I know we're streaming. Um, but God gives these special commands. Okay? Here's what Moses does. He doesn't say, okay, like, okay, you want a tent. So, like, how big? Like, small, medium, or large? Right. Oh, oh, large? Okay, cool. Um, what color? Like, white? Nuh-uh. I'll give you gray, right? He doesn't do that. He takes all these commands that God gives him, and he builds this thing, right, with people's help. But he builds it exactly with the detail and specifications that God wants him to do it. That's laid out even for us in Scripture that we can read. If we want to follow God like Moses followed God, we need to do this. We need to follow God with care for his commandments, right? With care for even the little things God asks us to do that we might think are insignificant, that we might not understand, if we're going to follow God like Moses, this is huge. Because Moses could have been like, okay, temple, or uh, tabernacle, big, okay, cool, white, cool, uh, uh, purple inside, okay, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try to find some of that, right? Pomegranates, uh, we'll, we'll go with apples, right? Um, no, he didn't change anything God wanted. He did exactly how God wanted it, even though, let's just be honest, have you ever read the book of Exodus and thought, I don't know why God wants it this way, exactly this way, okay? You think you're the first person to think that? You think that maybe Moses thought, okay, you got a lot of specifics here. I don't totally understand why you want it like this, but cool. Like, we'll do, yeah, it's great, cool. We'll do it exactly how you want it, even though he didn't understand all. I think there's a lot of symbolism that we see in the tabernacle, and I don't think any of it is an accident. But before Moses understood exactly why and the purpose for all the designs, guess what he did? He just did what God said. Right? Some of you think, well, I don't know why God asks me to obey my parents because I think a lot of times I know better than them. Right? I think a lot of times I'm right and they're wrong. Sometimes you think, well, we don't have to pray every day. Right? I mean, we could pray like once a week. We pray, you know, sometimes. We can, we can be kind to people sometimes, but, you know, we don't actually have to be, you know, kind. We don't really have to show the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness all the time. Right? That's not something we really have to do. Not to everybody, at least. Right? You might think that. Well, I just want to say, well, we need to be careful because God gives us commands. And look, 
They're God's commands. We need to follow these commands just because they're, they're God's. They're what he commands. This is a verse I'm sure you've heard. James 1, 22. The Israelites were actually really bad at this. Moses was really good at it. Right? And that's kind of the contrast I want you to see. Moses was really good at this. The Israelites were bad. What does it say? This came later, obviously. The book of James, the New Testament book. But it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. It's one of the reasons we give you those worksheets, by the way. It's one of the reasons we give you pens and worksheets and Bibles. You know, a lot of churches, they don't do that. Right? It made me think, oh man, you guys are the ones who always give me papers, right? Things to fill out. Well, one of the reasons we do that is so that you can take notes, so that you can be careful to do what God says, right? To be attentive. And sometimes we talk about, hey, let's make, make sure we're paying attention. Let's make sure that when we're talking to God in prayer, we're really focused on God. When we go to small groups, we're not spending it talking about other things. When we read our Bibles in the morning, we're really focused on it, right? Why? Well, because we want to be careful to do what God says and exactly what God says. Because God gives us those commands. It's so important. Jesus said this. This is even more powerful, I think, if you understand it completely. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. All right, for Moses, I mean, imagine, like, really, I got to put the tent together exactly the way you want it? And if, you, if I don't do that, I don't love you? Right? Well, yeah. For us, it's even more clear. Because a lot of the things that God calls us to do are not building tents and sacrificing animals. Right? What does God call us to do? God calls us to obey our parents and to love one another and to use our words graciously and kindly, and for us to avoid immorality, and looking at things we shouldn't, and doing things we shouldn't, and saying things we shouldn't, and telling jokes that we shouldn't, and sharing memes that we shouldn't, right? God's trying to keep us from doing the wrong thing. It's even easier for us to look and say, well, God commands us to be righteous and holy. Well, if we really love God, a lot of people say they love God, but we got to really find out, do we love God? Well, do we keep his commandments or not? back to the story, Moses was with these Israelites, and I said that he stood alone, right? This whole series about standing alone, right? Moses stood alone, just like you're standing alone in your little, you know, four foot, six foot circle that's going on around you, right? You're standing alone. Here's the deal. Moses stood alone because God provided for all of the Israelites, every last one of them. He gave them this. You see this? It's kind of weird. looks like snow or dust that kind of fell on, on, on the land. You know what it was? God literally sprinkled Krispy Kreme donuts on their front lawns every day, okay? Okay? Here's the deal, right? Here's why I say Krispy Kreme donuts, okay? I have a theological reason for that, and I'm going to explain it to you right now. Here's the deal. The Bible says that it was coriander and honey. It was sweet-tasting coriander and honey seed, or coriander seed and honey. It was like that. It wasn't that. It was some weird food. We don't even know what it is. Coriander seed and honey. Do you know what that is? Sweet bread. Sweet bread, donut, Krispy Kreme glazed. I think that's what it was, right? Yeah. Am I crazy to say that? Like, There's honey in Krispy Kreme. Uh, it's like sweet. I don't know. Don't, don't question it, Ryan. Don't, don't worry about it. Okay? Um, don't take it too far. I don't know. Um, okay. You probably get tired of that, though, wouldn't you? Every day? No. <laughs> Good. Unless I had it for Good. That's kind of what happened here. They had it for every single meal because they're in the wilderness, right? Imagine I tell you your job 
for 40 years is to live in Joshua Tree National Park. No home, no shower, no house, no running water, no food. Have fun. Be like, we'll, we'll run with that for like two hours, but then when the sun actually comes up, we're going to be like, uh, let's find our little condo or find our tent. We're like, we're, we're peacing out, right? We just came here for the pictures. Let's just be honest. That's why anybody goes to Joshua Tree anyway. Um, that's for the leaders. Um, it's true. Sorry. I'm ranting. I shouldn't. It's my first sermon back, guys. Just let me. Um, Got to come back. He provided for these people manna, and if that's not good enough, he gave them meat. He gave them Krispy Kreme donuts and meat every day. Guess what the people said? I want cucumbers. You think I'm kidding? It literally says that. Look it up. I don't know where it is, but look it up. It's there. Um, it literally says, man, I wish we could go back. There were melons and cucumbers in Egypt. And it's like, you want to go back to slavery just so you can eat cucumbers? That's the thing I take off my salad, right? I don't even like cucumbers, right? But they did. They liked these cucumbers. They wanted to go back to Egypt just so they could have the food they wanted. They complained over and over again. They complained. Moses said, okay, guys, it's time to take the promised land. It's time to go in and do what God called us to do. Let's send 12 spies. You know how that story went down? Sends these 12 spies. What do they do? Two of them are like, yeah, sweet. We got this. God's bigger than these people. Ten of them say, oh, I don't think God's bigger than these people. These people are really tall. They're, they're strong. And they're like, they're super buff. And they've got these huge cities. There's no way God could give us this city. And it's like, uh, did you not see like how the Red Sea thing kind of like, like, you think God can't give you a city with tall people in it? Right? <laughs> well, because of their doubt, and because their disbelief, and because they didn't follow God, they lived in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, go back to the timeline real quick. How old is Moses when he starts this whole, like, Exodus thing? 80 years old, okay? Let's say the whole Exodus, plagues, leaving Egypt, let, get to Mount Sinai, stay in Mount, let's say that took a year or two, okay? Moses is 82 years old, okay? 38 years from 82 to 120, okay? How many 120-year-olds do you know that are excited about life, right? Not many, right? Not many, well, you don't know any that are even alive. Um, so let's just go with, you know, 104-year-olds, right? I had a, a grandma who would be like, I don't know, like 100-something. Um, I was young when she died, so I don't, that told me that, yeah, whatever. I don't know how old she was, but she was old, right? And she couldn't do much, right? She was kind of sat there, she's nice lady, um, but just super old. Here's what the Bible says about Moses. Moses, his eye did not dim and his vigor did not abate. This dude was off the walls. He was wild. Do you know the old, think, imagine the old man, right? Remember the Six Flags man, right? You remember that? That's another commercial, not an ad. Lauren's the only one that laughed, right? Um, remember the Six Flags guy? You know, you know what I'm talking about? They don't. You don't know the Six Flags guy? These <laughs> guys. He was just this old dude who like was bouncing off the walls, right? That's what the Bible says about Moses, that he was strong. He was, he was wild and smart, right? But his vigor was still there. He had all his energy. God let him in this miraculous way have all this energy, at least to the age of 120. And soon before that, God called this Moses guy to hit a rock with his staff, right? It's like, wow, really parachuting into the story here. Um, said, hit this rock with your staff because I need to give my people water. Moses gets mad. You know what he does? He takes his staff and he smashes this rock. Not once. He smashes it twice for good measure. 
The Bible doesn't exactly say, but maybe he smashed it once and it didn't immediately work. And Moses got angry at God and he smashed the rock again. And God said, okay, yeah, you want to throw your little temper tantrum? Okay, just for that, you're going to die in the wilderness. I was going to let you in. No, no, now it's over. Numbers chapter 20, verses 10, 11, 12, talk about it. It says, Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, hear now, you rebels. Shall we bring water out of this rock for you? This is Moses talking. He's clearly old and fed up with these people. He's been with them for a long time. Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, not to the people, but to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I've given to them. Moses, you're going to die. Aaron, you're going to die. In this wilderness, you're not going to be allowed in because you didn't believe me because you did not treat me as holy in this one instance. Wow. I thought this guy was the guy who followed God. He was, but he did it imperfectly. And the great thing about this story is God didn't change his mind. God didn't say, actually, Moses, you know, you, you kind of made up for your sin and, and I'll let you in. It's not what happened. But the story does go and Moses does continue to serve the Lord until the day he died. And this is a, a very famous painting or a, a dot drawing, Francesca could tell us. Um, you know what I mean? Like the little dot drawing room of Moses on Mount Nebo looking over the promised land. He got up on this mountain and God says, go up there and die, right? That's it. He's 120 years old, guys. Um, he's old. He didn't quit, though. When he was punished and when he didn't follow God, he didn't quit. He didn't say, okay, well, I'm done. If, if you're going to give me consequences, God, I'm not going to follow you anymore. That's not what happened. I think we need to follow that, too. Follow God with patience and consistency. See, what Moses does is he follows God, and when he fails, which you're going to fail, too, by the way, God calls us all, Bible says, to live perfectly and righteously. We're going to fail. Okay? Moses failed. You're going to fail. I'm going to fail. But here's the deal. When Moses responded, he didn't give up. He didn't say, okay, I guess I blew it, so now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit. He kept serving God to the day he died. Patience and consistency. Here's what the New Testament calls us to do. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, therefore, my beloved brothers, Christians, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. It means it's never worthless. When you serve God, when you follow God, it's never worthless. Hebrews 6.10, here's what it says. It says, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you've shown for his name in serving the saints, that means Christians, as you still do. Following God is something that he calls our whole lives to. And even when we fail, we want to be like Moses. We want to be people who, when we fall, and when we sin, we don't stay down. We don't say, okay, I'll just give up now. We say, okay, I'm going to follow God next time. And we're going to do it. That's what repentance looks like. So, that's four things about how we can follow God like Moses did. What we need to talk about now is how we're going to apply that. So, on the back of your worksheet, you see those application questions, right? These are what we're going to go over. So, tonight, kind of the schedule of the night is what TNN is going to look like for the most part from now on. But before we break up into small groups, I want to pray. I don't want to ask God to give us the strength to follow him. So let's pray for that right now. Let's pray. 
God, thank you for giving us great examples of those who follow you. Especially as, as young people, we, we, we need good examples. We need to look to people. I know that Moses is a great person for us to look to, but I'm thankful that you've also given us people in our lives that we can look to. You've given us small group leaders and parents, pastors and ministry leaders who are good examples in the faith to us. So I pray that we would be able to follow you, which means we serve you and obey you and love you, and keep your commandments, all under the, the context and all the, under the pretext that we are submitting to you through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for making salvation available to us. Pray that you'd help us look to you and trust you as we follow you. We want to follow you as best as we can in this life. We want to do exactly what you want us to do. And I know for those, those of us who are Christians in this room, that's what we've given our whole life to do. Pray for the people in this room who are not Christians, who are not following you. They're following something else. They're following themselves for their desires or popularity or what the world wants. I pray that you would get them off of that path. I pray that you turn them to you and that we'd follow you for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.